It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, Bengals fans, son of former Bengals kicker Jim Breach, John Breach, who writes for CBS Sports on his own merits, was the guy that put together the Bengals franchise five for CBSSports.com, which is essentially the Mount Everest for the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're going through and doing this for every team. We'll talk about whether we agree with the five guys he picked. One coach, one quarterback, and three other players per team. You might have some guesses about who those guys are. For the Bengals, then it's the weekend mailbag. We get into your questions. That'll be segments two and three of today's show. But let's start, James, by debating the Franchise Five put together by John Breach with the help of his father, Jim Breach, and Dave Lapham and Jeff Hobson. And James, let's start by acknowledging the credentials for this panel. Jim Breach, longtime kicker for the Bengals, kicked for both of their Super Bowl teams, is thought by most to be their greatest kicker of all time. Dave Lapham, longtime offensive lineman, now does radio for the Bengals alongside Dan Horde, does the Bengals Booth podcast with Dan Horde, is known as a team insider. Jeff Hobson, longtime Bengals.com team writer for the last 20 years, and before that, a beat writer in the Cincinnati area for various newspapers for seven years. Been around the team then for 27 years writing about them. So some guys that have deep ties to the Bengals. Now, who do they select? Using the criteria of one coach, one quarterback, and three players, the Bengals franchise five, according to this panel, is of course Paul Brown as the coach. That one's a no-brainer. Ken Anderson is the quarterback, which when you really stop to think about it, No-brainer. And then for the three players, Anthony Munoz, the Bengals' only Hall of Famer, Chad Johnson, and Isaac Curtis. It's a great list. It's a great list full of uh, awesome Bengals, and it's timely, Jake, because we've talked about the the Ring of Honor and the Bengals' history this week. And the the first three on this list were unanimous choices by the panelists. And, And how can you argue, right? Paul Brown, obviously. Ken Anderson, obviously. And Anthony Munoz uh, as well. Um, that being said, I think there are six, seven, eight. You know, if we're talking one through five here, the six, six, seven, eight, the guys on the outside looking in, you could make an argument for. You could certainly make a, a quality argument for Ken Riley over either Isaac Curtis or Chad Johnson. And I get why both of those guys are in there. And I saw firsthand what Chad Johnson did for the organization. And yet the people that saw Isaac Curtis think he's the best wide receiver in franchise history. So I I totally get that. 
Uh, but my biggest takeaway is, man, there's been a lot of great people to come through Cincinnati and don the orange and, and black. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway. And we could split hairs on who should be on this list, but I, I do think it's a good one. I think my favorite thing about this article, before we even talk about the back end of the list, because I think everyone's going to agree about Ken Anderson, Paul Brown, and Anthony Munoz. There, there's no real debate about any of those guys. My favorite part of this is a paragraph early on in the article before John even starts to write about the players. He talks about the fact that the Bengals have been around for 52 years and nobody seems to respect this team. And this is something that's going to really resonate with Bengals fans. John Breach wrote, Everywhere you look in the modern NFL, you can see shades of things that were created in Cincinnati. The West Coast offense, invented by Bill Walsh during his time as an assistant in Cincinnati. The zone blitz. Dick LeBeau perfected the concept in Cincinnati before it became famous in Pittsburgh. The no-huddle offense. Sam Weish brought it to the NFL with the Bengals in 1985, and no one in the NFL was running the no-huddle offense as a full-time offense before that. You go from that to the innovations of Paul Brown, the 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine, for example, the rule changes around Isaac Curtis, which is one of the reasons he's on this list. The Bengals have made massive waves in the NFL, but who gets credit for the West Coast offense? Joe Montana. Who gets credit for the zone blitz? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, where did those things start? In Cincinnati. So that's my favorite part about this. But I do think that you make a good point, James, about the back end of this list. So the reason Isaac Curtis is here is largely because the the five-yard bump and run rule originates with Isaac Curtis. But I think there's a really good argument for some other guys. You mentioned Ken Riley. I think Lamar Parrish, Tim Crumry, Corey Dillon, the other guys that are honorable mentions here definitely are worthy of those honorable mentions. They absolutely are. And and I'm glad that they listed them there to give them, them some sort of credit. And you can only make one quarterback, which is why Boomer Esiason isn't on the list and doesn't get back-end consideration, right? Because Ken Anderson obviously gets the, the nod there. But w- when I was listening to you talk about the history of the Bengals just now, and just now, and the West Coast offense, and Isaac Curtis, and the bump and run rule, and all, all of these things – I double back to to what we talked about on our last show, and it's a place uh, or a a way to honor and and look at Bengals history. How many NFL fans, diehard fans, know that? I would say not many outside of Cincinnati, and I wouldn't say it's a high percentage even in Cincinnati. So I think that there's a historical value to honoring Bengals history, and I, I certainly hope the franchise realizes that moving forward. And while Paul Brown and Isaac Curtis are known for establishing that bump and run rule, and if you go read the article, you'll find out what exactly it was that gave rise to that rule change. A lot of rules have changed even in recent history, and those are all because of Bengals-Steelers games with Steelers players inflicting harm upon Bengals players, but we won't get into that today. This is an opportunity to reflect on five franchise greats, and then some guys that are just on the outside looking in Chris Collinsworth, the guy we haven't mentioned, Dave Fulcher, Reggie Williams, and guys that are currently on the team that could be in consideration in the future, right? Geno Atkins, A.J. Green, all really good names that John Breach came up with. If you have some guys that we haven't mentioned that you think should be in the Bengals franchise five or in consideration 
send us a message. Uh, send us a tag on Twitter at Locked On Bengals. We'll see if we like your ideas. Coming up next, we've got the mailbag. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Go check them out, rockauto.com. Self-service to buy auto parts at consistently low prices, a variety of brands. You're not stuck with whatever the local auto parts store has in stock. You're not stuck with their prices that maybe they're charging you a little bit more because you're choosing to do it at home. Consistent prices from rockauto.com, James. It's easy. You jump online, you go to rockauto.com. Instead of having to go to the store and talk to someone that acts like they know about cars, you can look up the model, look up the exact part you need. And like you said, they have multiple brands. It's extremely convenient. You can do it at work. You can do it at home from the comfort of your own home at rockauto.com. If you buy any parts for your car or truck at rockauto.com, make sure you write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And it's time for the weekly mailbag where we answer your questions on Twitter uh, that you send in at Locked On Bengals. And let's start with a guy you're going to hear from next week on Wednesday's show, John Sheeran from Cincy Jungle wrote a great article about Joe Burrow. So he's going to join us next week. But, Jake, he has a hard-hitting question for both of us. Jake, he says, how are you both doing? I think that this is a really nice question, which is why we're answering it. Because I know John, right? We, we know John. I, I went into Paul Brown Stadium with John Sheeran last year on the Bengals Blogger Day when they invited us in. And, we got to go to training camp and be on the field and whatnot. I'm doing all right, man, to answer your question. Things are things are challenging in the world, but uh, things are okay. Personally, I'm doing well. Um, existentially, it's hard, but I'm choosing to be optimistic. That That's where I'm at. I'm choosing to think that the things happening in the world will lead to some positive, lasting change. I'm doing well because uh, I'm looking at Jake Lisko's face right now as we record this podcast. And so what could be better than that? So, John, so things. things are great. I can't so wait many things could be to see your that. face next week either right here as we as we record. I assume I'm going to uh, because it's been too long since I was on your podcast. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. So I'm doing well. Man, you're such a flatterer. John Sheeran coming on to the show next week to talk about rookie expectations for Joe Burrow. He did a lot of work on a piece on CincyJungle.com for that. Go check that out. And we'll talk to him about it next week because I have some questions. Next question comes from Jay Roberts on Twitter at Jay Roberts. Is there any path where Joe Mixon does not get a new contract with the Bengals? What do we have in the guys behind him? He's thinking about Kansas City, a bunch of young guys on small rookie deals. 
What is the real state of the running back room? Well, let's start with the first question. There's a lot of questions in there. Uh, Is there any path where Mixon does not get a new contract? Absolutely. The Bengals want him back. I think Mixon wants to come back under the right terms. But what if they don't get a deal done? Joe Mixon blows up, has a a huge year. Well, naturally, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you use the franchise tag on him. It sounds good. But what if William Jackson III has a big year and they can't get a deal done with him? I think they'll prioritize the star corner over the star running back. So I think that there's there's certainly a path where they don't get a deal done. Both sides want that to happen. Uh, as far as what's behind him, obviously the Giovanni Bernard extension, they believe in him still. That looks like a questionable decision, I will say. Uh, and then after that, it's a bunch of young guys, right? Trevion Williams, congratulations on fatherhood, by the way. He's been a father for about a week now, and I know we mentioned it last week. But uh, you got him, you got Rodney Anderson. Uh, so you, you got a lot of young guys in that that running back room no real bell cow or anything like that. And not that you need it, but if Mixon isn't here next year at this time, I would bet that the Bengals would invest a a premium pick, probably a day two pick on a running back in the draft next year if they don't get him extended or franchise tag him or if he's not on the roster by, by next year during the draft. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're looking at a second or third round pick for sure to try to replace Joe Mixon. This is a team that clearly doesn't mind spending draft capital on the running back position. They did it with Mixon. They did it with Hill. They did it with Giovanni Bernard. They have a very clear track record of investing second round picks in running backs. And then you look at some of the later round picks, the guys that that James just talked about, Travion Williams, sixth round pick. Ronnie Anderson, sixth-round pick. Geo, they're paying him like a top 15 running back in the NFL to be a backup. They value this position highly. So if they don't pay Mixon, which I don't think is going to happen, I think that they are going to pay Mixon precisely because they value this position highly. They will need or feel the need, I think is a more accurate way to put it, to, to find the replacement. And... They don't have that on the roster right now. The guys that are on the roster behind him are role players and or, in Rodney Anderson's case, an absolute low-odds lottery ticket with his unfortunate injury history. Tyler Meyer wants to know, as we continue our mailbag, Jake, is there any evidence in increased use of analytics in player acquisition as we now have two drafts slash free agency periods have we gone away from the character issues that seem to, rightly or wrongly, to find much of Lewis's tenure? How much have coaches affected this stuff? I don't think that there's any evidence of increased use of analytics. If you paid attention to Joe and I this year and last year when we were doing our draft prep for the podcast, Joe has tracked this stuff for a long time. Joe being Joe Goodberry, former co-host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, in case we have new people listening. Uh He has an idea of what the Bengals like, and he got a chance to talk to Duke Tobin down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl this year. And Joe came out of that conversation with a very clear impression that the Bengals have been using analytics that they like for a long time. Now, they're not being very public about it, but no team is, and nobody has done a massive published study that says the Bengals only draft players that hit this productivity threshold but if you go back and you look and joe has you can find clear trends in certain height weight athletic uh testing thresholds that the bengals draft for 
age production for wide receivers, tackle market shares is a thing that, that there are some baselines for, for some defensive players. So I don't know that there's increased use, but I think that the Bengals have been doing this, I think under a different terminology than, than maybe we would give them credit for. What's different is that they're spending money in free agency. And so how have coaches affected this stuff? We saw this when Marvin Lewis was starting his tenure in Cincinnati too. They went out and they spent some money. When they got a new quarterback, this is not necessarily unprecedented. This level of spending and overhaul is unprecedented to be sure. But they have spent money before in lesser but similar quantities. So how much is new? Well, I don't know if we can tell from two years. But I do think that your second question about the character issues, I mean, look at the guys they drafted. If we're still talking about character issues this year with the Cincinnati Bengals, something has gone way wrong. They've drafted captains throughout the draft. They've added leaders from other teams. I think to a man, they've got good character guys on this roster right now. Absolutely, they do. Character was uh, certainly a, a priority for them, it, not only in this draft, but in general. The guys they brought in, um, in whether it was direct or not, the free agents they brought in, came. most of them came from playoff teams. And so I think they had a, a blueprint of how they wanted to do things. And what I hope for, because this offseason wasn't enough, what I hope for is that the Zach Taylor and this coaching staff continues to push for more veteran players, players that are entering their prime, the missing pieces. Because as Andrew Whitworth said to Willie Anderson a couple of weeks ago, the last thing you want is to feel like you're a piece away and be a player on the team and not think that the organization is willing to go get it. So they were really active this offseason, and I just hope this is something that continues. It isn't just something to get them competitive again. It's something that they're going to build on moving forward. It's something, like I said, I, I agree with you, that I think we'll have to see in the next couple of years. I think that's when we'll find out if there is truly a change in the way the Bengals are doing business. Last question for this segment, James. Nathan Adkins wants to know, what are your favorite types of hot sauce? Whew, first off, it's got to be Skyline hot sauce. Skyline hot sauce. Use? Do they use their own stuff? It's their own stuff, yeah. Okay. And it's it's damn good. I, I just had some today, actually. I had to use the packets. I got a little Skyline carryout. And uh, really, really good. Um, outside of that, I, I go to Frank's Red Hot as like my casual, just versatile one that you can get at Kroger or somewhere anytime. But I like a lot of different hot sauces. I, I really do. Uh, Cholula, I always say it wrong, but Cholula is good depending on what you're eating. Um, you, the the best and the thing I like to do is you go to a Mexican restaurant with their salsa and then you sort of throw some Cholula in it or something like that, spice it up a bit. So I'm a big hot sauce guy for sure. What, what's your favorite? Uh, it's Valentina's hot sauce. That is, that is the one. Of- uh, okay. It's not terribly spicy, although they do have a hot variety. But I, I, I like the flavor. I'm a vinegar guy, and I, I'm told that it's a little vinegary. But for barbecue sauce, for example, this is also true for me. I don't like the sweet barbecue sauces. I like the mustardy, vinegary, South Carolina-style barbecue sauces. If I'm eating ribs, I would rather eat them with a dry rub than the sugar that gets glazed on to most people's barbecue ribs. Because I really like the ribs. And I really like the dry rubs, but I'm not a fan of that sweetness. And so uh, I know that doesn't talk about hot sauce, but it's just a similar trend with that vinegar. I'm hungry now Yeah, for ribs and or Skyline. Why would you ask (laughs) us this question, man? That's like very rude. 
Speaking of hunger, James, you have Built Bars, right? I mean, they're sponsoring the show, your favorite protein bar. I am currently out. I'm going to need to replenish. Our people can get $10 off. Our people, meaning our listeners, can get $10 off on BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCKEDON. I've been telling my friends about them because it's a good deal, frankly. And there's just, compared to other protein bars, my favorite thing is low sugar while you're still hitting your protein. And they taste great. And I think that that's that's the thing is some protein bars are chalky. Others are really heavy. This tastes like a candy bar. And they have 16 different flavors. Mint chocolate is my go-to. But there's something for everyone, whether you want coconut, German chocolate cake. They have a bunch of different flavors for you. And like Jake said, you're going to fit the macros. So you're working on that beach bod. You were quarantined for multiple months. You're trying to work out and get in shape for vacation. Built Bar is the perfect post-workout snack, maybe meal replacement during the day while you're working at the office, anything like that. And right now, our listeners get $10 off. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, save 10 bucks, and feel great with Built Bar. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's jump back into that weekend mailbag. We came into the break with a little bit of a soft question about hot sauce. James, this one might be a little bit more difficult to answer. Austin R. wants to know, are you comfortable with the statements the organization has put out publicly over the past week or so regarding racial issues in our country, or do you think they have fallen short of the mark? I personally have been pretty disappointed, says Austin. Let's start with the first part of that. I I mean, I'm comfortable with those statements because the statements don't make me uncomfortable. I think what they said, uh, a lot of it makes sense. Now, whether or not that's enough for you is subjective. Right. And I like that they when they did release the statement and it was they were the final NFL team to do so. It wasn't just a statement. It was also pledging two hundred fifty thousand dollars to action. I also like that uh, it it did seem a little hollow yesterday. Right. Katie Blackburn comes out in yesterday, meaning Wednesday and, and releases a statement about the team meetings. Here's why I think that was significant. And there was nothing really in the statement that. Uh, really added anything to the conversation. But the reason I think it's significant, and this is probably why they did it, is it shows that the organization, executive vice president, president, and you could go down the list, you know, meaning Mike Brown, Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, they're listening to the players, right? And they're willing to do that. And they're saying, hey, we were in on these meetings. So I'm comfortable with what they've said. That doesn't mean that action shouldn't continue. And I really like how it it, it appears, at least on the surface, that they're wanting to get the perspective of the players and wanting the players' input and wanting that aspect of it. Because I think that's a, a really important factor, and I think that's something the Bengals are trying to convey. That is the most important part, is that it's the ownership is is not – the people that have the expertise in this area. They're not the people that have had these experiences. Uh, I think listening to the players and, and 
magnifying those voices, allowing them to use their platform, encouraging them to use their platform is the most important thing that needs to come out of this. And we'll see how that plays out this season. I agree also, James, that the pledge for action is very important. And using the players and the coaches, not using, maybe that's the wrong word, but listening to for their suggestions for where that money goes is is the right way to go about it. The statements themselves, they're, they're not powerful statements. They are safe statements. So I, I don't really care for the statements themselves, but the behind the scenes stuff that seems to be going on is encouraging. So that kind of seems like the Bengals way. And I understand that there will be people like you, Austin, that are disappointed and think they have fallen short of the mark. And I wouldn't really argue with you, but I would say, let's see how those actions they've pledged play out. Let's see what kind of role they take as an enabler for their players to make community change. Let's see how they partner with those players to make that change, especially in the Cincinnati area, because that is the Bengals focus. They've always been focused on community work. Right. You just hope that they're going to, the action, because if you're talking about moving statement or or actions they take, you would much rather action be taken. And there are a lot of things the Bengals do in the community that no one even knows about. So you hope that that is the case. They've certainly tried to issue some statements here and we'll see if they take the necessary action. All right. Davis on Twitter says we need a better pass catching tight end. Burrow showed his love for tight ends with throwing to Thad Moss. Why not take a flyer on Jordan We uh, Jordan Reed? Almost said Jordan Weed. Jordan Reed or Jeff Swam? Is it Swam? Swam? I don't know, but I think it was the W in his name that got you thinking about Weed instead of Reed. There, <laughs> I'm looking at the LSU stats. Thaddeus Moss had 47 catches. That's one more than Terrence Marshall. That is eight less catches than Clyde Edwards-Helaire and about 40 less than Jamar Chase and about 60 less than Justin Jefferson. He was fourth by one catch in LSU receptions last year. I don't know if that supports the idea that Joe Burrow loves throwing to tight ends. So let's look at the Bengals for a comparison because they also, I would guess without looking, didn't throw very often to their tight ends compared to their wide receivers. So let's look here. Tyler Eifert was actually third for the Bengals last year with 43 catches. Well, that's a pretty similar number to Thaddeus Moss, except that 43 is a higher percentage of Andy Dalton's 314 completions than uh, Joe Burrow's completions, which were a much higher number at LSU. So what's the takeaway? Well, I don't think the Bengals necessarily need a game-breaking tight end. Furthermore, if your evidence for Joe Burrow's need for a tight end is Thaddeus Moss, he was an undrafted free agent. I mean, he, he, he tested very poorly at the Combine. He didn't have production that you're looking for to make you excuse that athletic testing. So why is there a need for a tight end that's better than uh, C.J. Uzama, for example? I just... Or, or Drew Sample, who apparently some people think is going to break out. Maybe we'll talk about Adam Rank next week. Maybe we won't because he's Adam Rank. But uh, there are those <laughs> in the world that think Drew Sample is primed for a breakout year, apparently. He's a second-round pick, though. 
So why are we investing more in a position that, as a later question is going to get to, might not be used that much in the future with Joe Burrow as your quarterback? I don't think Jordan Reed is better than Drew Sample. I don't think that's a hot take either. When's the last time Jordan Reed was good? And I get it's because of injury and it's because of concussions, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. But when's the last time he's been a productive player in the NFL? You know, it's it's been a while. And so when you invest a second-round pick in a player like Drew Sample, he only played in nine games last year. We know how steady Eddie C.J. Uzama is, right? You got to see what you have. And I'm never going to say, well, they don't need to try to upgrade at a position. But I don't think Jeff, who the hell knows how to say his last name, Swam, is better than Drew Sample. And I don't think Jordan Reed, when you consider health, is better than Drew Sample or C.J. Uzama. And you got to see what you have in Sample. They might be better, but I mean, is it worth the investment? And and let's talk about this with our next question. This is Max at the cat. Nope. At bag the cat was in on Twitter. And I'm going to summarize the question. He wants to know what's the argument about making 10 personnel, meaning one running back and zero tight ends, the Bengals base offense instead of 11 personnel, which means one running back, one tight end. Since Joe Burrow likes empty protections and he likes having the receivers spread out around the field, why not just try to put defenses into their dime package, lighten up the box for Joe Mixon if he's on the field, spread things out, and and de-emphasize the tight end altogether? I think you could see that some. At the same time, blocking is going to matter. I I think that they, they do place some value uh, on having a tight end, and I still think if it's C.J. Uzama versus a lot of linebackers, you you, you think that they're going to be able to he's going to be able to get open, right? Um, especially in single coverage. So I, I still think you'll see a tight end uh, to, to to a high extent, really. But I get what Max is saying here because if you look at the Bengals' tight ends, right, and then their wide receivers and running backs of those three skill position groups. You feel really good about the running backs because of Mixon. You feel really, really good on paper with the wide receivers. And so would you rather have Auden Tate get more snaps or Drew Sample? So I, I get the argument, and I think there will be a package. I just, I just don't know if it will be used a ton because they're still going to place some value on tight end. Yeah, I think that it's too ingrained in Zach Taylor's offense to stick with that 11 personnel base. But I do think that there's something here especially with Auden Tate being a big wide receiver. If Auden Tate is your fourth receiver in those sets and is a big slot, and this is where they have to get creative because you have A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and Auden Tate all fighting for snaps, even if you put four receivers on the field. If you use, though, Auden Tate as your big slot, he's a good run-blocking wide receiver. So if that's the way you want to go, you could see a little bit more than we see uh, 11 personnel like that, like we did last year. But the Bengals do seem to have plans for Drew Sample, and we'll have to see how those go this year. James, we have time for one more question. I'll let you pick. All right, final question. Let's go with Odat on Twitter. Jake, he says, the Trey Waynes deal is almost universally criticized for being too expensive, but Alexander's is seen as a good team-friendly agreement. Who else was available that provided better value than Trey and free agency? So Trey Waynes 
is one of these guys that was paid like a top tier corner. He was paid just a little bit less than Byron Jones. Why not pony up the extra few million dollars a year for Byron Jones if you're going to spend that much money on a corner and get a player that's significantly better? Darius Slay was traded. He's due a lot more money and and costed some trade capital. Uh, Logan Ryan, still a free agent, more of a slot guy. So that's where I would start is, is Byron Jones right away. The most expensive corner in free agency. Went to Miami, went to a team that was very bad last year. Signed a deal for a ton of money is much better than Trey Waynes. You could make an argument for James Bradbury. I will not. I don't think that James Bradbury is terribly good. You could also make an argument for A.J. Bouye, who I think is a little bit better than Trey Waynes. He ended up signing with the Broncos. And then there are guys that you could assign for less money that could have also made an impact. Bryce Callahan, he stayed in Denver, but is one of the best slot corners in the league. You could have looked at Chris Harris, if he was willing to go back into the slot, has been a dominant slot corner in the NFL. James, who would you look at as better value signings? Well, honestly, any like, here's how I view this. What I would have done is I would have taken that money, and it was three years, forty-two million, and I would have put that into right tackle, right? So I would have been fishing for Jack Conklin, and I get it; it's not fair because we're the, the questions about corners. But I would have taken that asset and put it elsewhere. And then you go after some of these back-end guys. So the reason Mackenzie Alexander feels like great value is because it's one year, $4 million bucks, right? He might not be around long-term, but you get him on the cheap and, and you see if he can have a big year for you. So if they could assign a couple of those guys, would you have felt okay? I get corner would have been a question mark, but I, I do think William Jackson's probably going to have a, a bounce back here. Will he be dominant like he was in 2017? I'm not sure. But the cornerback position is in flux regardless of Trey Wayne's. Right. Like like if next year, cornerback could be a very important need for the Bengals going into the draft with or without Trey Waynes. So to me, I would have tried to use that asset elsewhere. That being said, when you look at the corners here. I get why they did it um, and I understand it, even though it's a little bit of an overpay. Would we have lost our minds if it was three years, 32 million? Like what was the. And, and then what would that extra of money have went to? So if they overpaid a little bit to get Trey Waynes, but it led to landing Von Bell because he was interested or it led to them getting Josh Bynes because he was interested in coming to Cincinnati, then I think that matters too. So overpaying a little bit to help change the perception of things it isn't the worst thing. The thing is, there's some bargain basement guys that I think could have been just as good. Like Nickel Roby Coleman signs for less than $2 million, less than $1.5 million. Vernon Hargreaves, you can take a risk there, even though he went mm-hmm. back to Houston. So maybe that one isn't fair. Uh, they did sign LaShawn Sims to a $1.7 million deal. That, I think, is probably not going to matter very much. But you look at some <laughs> of the other names at the back of this list. Xavier Rhodes, you could take a swing on him for $3 million a year instead and maybe get similar play. I mean, you lose speed, you lose some tackling maybe, but he's not going to be significantly worse. Ronald Darby, $3 million, went to Washington. So you go at the back end of this list, and that's where you start to find some guys that aren't going to be necessarily a whole lot worse than Trey Waynes, unless Trey Waynes has a big breakout year, which he could, and he does have speed. And he does tackle. So those are things that you really like. So I'm not here to just 
tear down the Trey Wayne signing, but in terms of value, Byron Jones is better value, even though he got more money. And then some of these guys in the bargain tier also could be better value for those, for those teams than Trey Wayne's will be for the Bengals. That is all the time we have though, for this edition of the mailbag, we will be back on Monday with another three episodes next week, including John Sheeran on Wednesday to talk about rookie expectations for Joe Burrow. Until then, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.